Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your producer and host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the creator and gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. The new year starts with the 101, or the beginner guide, for NFTs, blockchain, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and all those metaverse and Web3 topics we keep hearing about. We are all going back to school on Culture Factor to understand this decentralized economy. From creator coins to the tax implications of selling crypto, let's unpack these emerging technologies in really simple terms. Join me and feel free to send in your questions. Would your brand like to sponsor Culture Factor? It is your opportunity to be a part of a podcast that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 89 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com. Subscribe to Culture Factor and share with a friend now. Okay, let's start with our class. Let's get our next guest on. So hello, welcome Culture Factor family. Today I have Yael Tamar with me. She is the co-CEO and co-founder of SolidBlock, an issuance platform and a marketplace for property-backed digital securities. Yael has co-founded several fintech startups, a successful marketing company in the blockchain space, and an import-export company that was acquired. She is also a regional co-chair at Fibri, the Foundation for International Blockchain and Real Estate Expertise. It is the leading international network for exchanging knowledge within the real estate industry. She is regularly invited to speak worldwide as an expert in blockchain, real estate, and fintech. And that's actually where I met her, was at a conference in Florida for the uh, Bitcoin and blockchain industry. And she was such a powerhouse on the stage that I begged her to come over to my Culture Factor family and share her work with us. So hello, Yael. Welcome to Culture Factor. Hi, Holly. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great meeting you then. And you're right, there was a, an amazing vibe at the conference we met. I think a big part of it was the fact that there was a podcast crowd and real estate crowd in one place and you know you're kind of uh, at the at the at both ends and it's it's really fun um and i i've met a lot of great people who share our vision uh, i also have happened to be a part of real estate and the podcast crowd not as big and successful as yours but uh um trying to spread the word so just really excited to be here to share um the knowledge and just to 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 be a part of something awesome well, I really appreciate you, and I know the community does. You know, I learned yesterday that 81% of the people involved in the blockchain, NFT, crypto space are, are men. So um, I find myself um, in awe of, of the gifts that you have and that you're getting out there and sharing your voice. And um, more importantly, that there's a stage being given to, to women. So that's why I really wanted your voice on the show. So I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much. And you gave a very specific number, the 81%. I mean, it feels uh, it feels like a lot more probably, you know, uh, it seems like at real estate conferences, I see a lot more women than at blockchain, even though in, I think in the US and especially in Florida, it's much better. So, you know, it's great to see a lot of women coming and joining the field. I do feel that blockchain, the blockchain crypto space does level the playing field in a way because people 
uh, can come in and join in with, uh, you know, relatively beginner's knowledge and really raise the top if they have passion, if they have expertise that they can carry on from other areas. So that's why it's one of my, you know, one of my favorite fields. And that's why I'm here. Excellent. Well, let me dive right in then. Um, could I ask you to define blockchain and its application in the real estate industry? Absolutely, Holly. So blockchain is easily defined through an example. But let's say that I need to send you um, $200 for, let's say, consulting on how to do a podcast, right? And I'm here in Israel and you're over there in the U.S., so usual suspects would be a bank transfer, which will take about a week and um, which will cost me uh, maybe 30, 40 bucks on top of that 200. I could also, you know, I can't use Venmo as somebody outside and I could PayPal you. It will be immediate, but that requires me and you to have the same app. And also, um, obviously, there is a transaction piece associated with it. And um, I could maybe send you a postal dove with cash. Those are pretty much my, my options today, right? So in, the, you know, uh, in about 2009, uh, there was a revolution um, by the name of Bitcoin. And Bitcoin was the first ever decentralized currency, digital currency, right? Even before saying decentralized, digital. So digital currencies, um, and especially decentralized currencies that don't have a centralized power like a bank or PayPal app or Venmo app or whatever, um, they're really difficult to, to operate. Why? Because of kind of double accounting. If I send you $200 through whatever you know, decentralized app there is, um, how do we know that I don't send the same $200 to someone else. How do we know that I won't print more money by myself individually, right? So that's why Bitcoin was just so revolutionary. Bitcoin enabled for the first time for the community to be, to, to be able to collectively subtract $200 in balance from my account and collectively add $200 to your account without having this intermediary in the middle, this bank or an app in the middle, right? Some sort of financial institution. So that's why Bitcoin gained so much popularity because it seems like, you know, it has a bulletproof algorithm in how a community of computers basically can uh, approve this, these transactions. And um, this algorithm was described in a white paper wrote by um, either a group or an individual by a pen name of Satoshi Nakamoto. And technically, you know, that was, that was the first ever digital uh, decentralized currency. And it operated on a network, um, which is decentralized ledger, which ledger of transactions that are written uh, in a certain way. And that ledger is called the blockchain, right? Blockchain essentially is this decentralized ledger that records transaction um, in a way that everybody in the network sees the transaction. Some of the network participants called validators can approve certain transactions, right? And these transactions are written um, in, a, in an immutable way. So they, every, every you know, validator, every node, they're called nodes, you know, these machines, they keep a copy of the transaction. So nobody individually can alter them. So that's why it's super safe and super secure. 
So blockchain essentially is the this decentralized ledger that powers cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a lot of others that have, has, have come out since then. But blockchain also, as it was discovered a few years later, can be used for many other things, right? So blockchain essentially is used for transactions. You can transact money, but you can also transact assets and you can transact information. So real estate is in need of, you know, revolution in many of these areas, including from payments, transact, you know, payments, um, uh, writing, you know, on the title, insurance, um, to investment. So all of these things in real estate are extremely outdated and other industries, you know, have, have uh, changed so much and where I feel real estate has stayed behind. So there are all these amazing startups focused on, you know, applying blockchain to every one of those. So if real estate, if transacting real estate is transacting an asset, so then it behaves like an NFT, which is a non-fungible token. Is that correct? So let's review what NFTs are. What is, if there's a non-fungible token, then there must be a fungible token. And what is this fancy word fungible? What does that mean, right? So fungible is just basically means, um, non-fungible just basically means unique. Fungible is interchangeable. <laughs> so Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, if you bought one Bitcoin, each Bitcoin is the same, each Ethereum, you know, one, one uh, unit is the same as the other, right? So that's a fungible token uh, or, fun, you know, fungible asset. Now, non-fungible token is a one of a kind. So we could consider a small asset, you know, or, you know, maybe even a large asset, but we could consider an asset or write to an asset. We can write it into an NFT. Now, every token represents a smart contract. A smart contract is another blockchain term that basically means that if you perform a certain set of operations, you will have a certain outcome. So if you transfer the payment, then you're going to get an asset back, right? That's how you buy Bitcoin. That's how you buy any crypto is through a smart contract of sorts. Um, when you buy an asset, let's say you want to buy a single family home, um, there are companies out there like Propy, for example, they're also based in Florida. So these, uh, uh, these companies will write a contract as an NFT, as a non-fungible token. So um, basically an owner of this non-fungible token will have certain rights. It, they could buy the asset to live in it, or they could buy the asset to get rental income if there is another manager there. So this NFT can be totally, one NFT can be totally different from another. Like it could be you're buying a house, or it could be you are um, signing up to get rental profit. Could be all, it could be different things, right? So, but just the easiest thing to understand, I guess, is using NFTs to, to just buy property. Um, so that's, um, that's, that's one way, but besides the NFTs, there's also fungible tokens, just regular tokens. And there's a large project out there, large project, right? So commercial or multifamily residential, uh, you can split it into smaller parts and you, and they don't have to be different from one or the other, right? So they, they could all be fungible. So you could just invest in a token, uh, which is represented by, or backed by the property underneath. 
So, okay. So I kind of have two different questions. Um, I want to just go back actually to the NFT for a second. I know we're talking about real estate, but one of the things about NFTs is that if you buy, say, a piece of art, it's considered an asset and the artist is remunerated and the person who minted that NFT um, now owns that. But what's built into that is a legacy model. So if that buyer sells it to their friend um, and that person sells it and onward and onward, it goes up in price, the artist at the very beginning still realizes a royalty, for lack of a better way to put it. There's like a legacy model built in. So if you have this single family home that's considered an NFT and you sell your family home to somebody, is that also, is that same model built in there or is it really more a one-for-one transaction, more like on how a cryptocurrency would operate versus an NFT? So an amazing thing about tokens is that you can program them. So there is a difference between crypto, like Bitcoin or or Ethereum, and tokens, which you create. A token is essentially a product. So you decide how you create your product, right? So if you want to create an NFT of a single family home that's managed by somebody else, and... um, you know, you want to sell it to a person, you know, you live in Florida and you want to sell it to a person in Chicago and that person in Chicago is going to get rental income as a result of that, right? So that's why if you want to build it like that, obviously the smart contract has to specify rental income, right? Or there could be, like I said, a different use case of an NFT where you're buying a house to live in, right? So you have the right to actually utilize the house. Right. So this is your house. Right. Someone else may hold the title, the internal title. Right. Someone else may hold in this internal title for you, provide the service. Right. So it's basically there are certain companies that kind of act like title holders on behalf of, of these NFT buyers. Right. So there is also a model like that. And the cool thing about it is that, you know, we're creating a new set of rules. Right. So just as on a philosophical level. Before block, before Bitcoin, before cryptocurrencies, um, you know, and why why people got so excited about crypto and um, you know now about NFTs is that you know we're so used to the government and and institutions regulating uh, our lives. You know, any, anybody who's holding our money is 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 holding control over our money. Sometimes in what we can invest, sometimes in how soon we can take it out, sometimes you know, um, which products we can choose, can we invest in crypto, can we not invest, and so on, right? So with with cryptocurrencies and tokens, you are your own bank, you are your own decision maker, you know, you can invest in, in, in many more products, you can uh, choose how to build things, right? And you can choose how to record things. Blockchain creates a level of trust that that is embedded in the system, right? It's basically a trustless system, even because you you don't you, you know there is a smart contract. I send the money, I get the product, right? You don't have to trust the bot, you don't trust have to trust the seller. So that's the beauty of of this field is that we are creating um, things that make make a lot of sense as we go. So, 
I did actually have a, a two questions now that come from that. So I'm really sorry. I'm I'm going to pivot just a tiny bit. That's all right. So when you talk about control of your money, I get that. But what if you saw the house of your dreams and you're just starting yeah. out in the world and you don't have enough money to buy that house, even if it's on, you know, presented as an NFT and you need to take out a loan. How does that work then? Um, who essentially owns that NFT or how is that divided up? So, you know, if you're taking a loan, there's different ways to take a loan, right? So, um, actually in the crypto world if you own bitcoin or other crypto you can actually stake that currency which means you can put it in a vault essentially kind of like the bank and they will pay you interest so you could technically stake your crypto take out the interest and buy with that um, let's say a home mm -hmm. um, there are other if you're if you decide to take a loan in uh, the real world kind of uh, in the through, through the bank, then you know it's the same as you know you probably we consider this cash. Um, there are ways to take loans in the DeFi space, so I can imagine a situation in which you have bought um, crypto or you bought a, a what's called a security token or this fungible token that's a security and uh, or maybe another non fungible token, and then there will be a way to stake that put that in a wallet somewhere lock it up and find an entity that will lend you money or some sort of crypto against that and then you take that and you go and you buy your dream home but there will be situations like that there will be use cases like that right you can imagine that situation and now add on top the metaverse right so now you can also buy a home in the metaverse buy a home of your dreams in the metaverse and then use that to maybe open a business. Most people probably are not going to use metaverse as a place to live metaphor metaphorically. It's a place to get entertainment for now. But in the future, and already a lot of people have started buying land and uh, specifically Decentraland and, and Decentraland and Sandbox. Those are two metaverses that have been selling lands. And the cheapest land you can find there is like ten or $11,000 for a small parcel of land. Right. So in the future, these assets, um, you know, the space in the metaverse is used probably for primarily for advertising games, you know, uh, kind of creating these experiences. So it's probably bought there for business purposes rather than, let's say, a personal enjoyment or, or a subject to talk about at a next party. Yeah, no, that's that's a really interesting perspective. Um, you know, I hadn't expected to have that conversation with you. So it's interesting that you yeah. brought that up. But I sort of liken it to, you know, when people say are gaming, you know, they're they're playing, you know, whatever, Call of Duty or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's an opportunity to um, advertise. Like if you think like if you go to a basketball game live, and you see all the advertisements around you um, plastered up, up against the bleachers. Um, and then they have a big screen. And on there are more advertisements. You actually are, are getting, um, in a sense, live and virtual um, businesses reaching out to you. So I can see how this metaverse 
um, world would work if people are really into gaming or they decide to partake in sort of that um, VR world, right? Using yeah. like an Oculus or, or something like that, that there's going to be spaces in there that are selling to them. Is that kind yeah. of what you had in mind? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the real estate, even in the real world, is basically space for advertising, right? So especially commercial, you know, think about Times Square. <laughs> like the value of the actual asset is probably lower than the value of the ads that you put on it, right? So yeah, so you're thinking about metaverse exactly right. So this is once you have that you buy a little space, which is really a pixel, but in some metaverses, it's really is kind of a, you know, a, a real virtual space, um, then you own, you know, a space where people will pass through, you can actually buy that space in like even a complex, right? So a complex of other games, and you know, just really a virtual shopping mall, a lot of uh, shopping malls rent to shops, right in the metaverse right now. So it's it's really a new game that everybody needs to learn how to play everybody in business at least. Yeah. And then I don't know if you've seen Ready Player One, which is one of my favorite movies. And, and it's it definitely explores kind of that aspect of, of, uh, of the metaverse. I will watch that and I will report back to you on that one <laughs> because that's been mentioned to me before. So I feel like I, I might have gone off course a little bit on, on our conversation, but we sort of went that direction. So I thought I, I would ask. So let me circle back a little bit. Um, when I met you at that conference, um, you were talking about um, blockchain and cryptocurrency in the commercial property in the area of commercial property and making that um, a purchase accessible to individuals um, that they can join like say a group um, and i'm not sure if i'm articulating this quite right yeah. but the way i picked up on it is it felt a little bit like the concept of timeshares but you wouldn't be living there you would actually be like a part of a group of investors in a space. Mm -hmm. Is, mm -hmm. is that my right understanding of it? So there is a timeshare model, which is a slightly different model. We're working on that too. But right now it's just a model of fractional investment. So it's, it's um, not a new model necessarily because you have crowdfunding, you have um, just basically websites and like CrowdStreet and YieldStreet and those where you can go and um, invest in fractionally in a real estate project. The difference between what we're doing and what they're doing is that we provide a way for um, a pathway to liquidity for these companies. They, since, since you raise money through a blockchain and smart contract, the investors that put money in the project will be able to trade their, pro their project or their piece of the project on an exchange. So it's a private offering, but yet it's tradable. Okay, so... So you are able to get dividends and interest like like any investor would, right? You're sharing in the, in the, in the, re in the revenue uh, from the asset, like the asset owner. So you, you're coming in as a limited partner, basically, in an asset. So then I'll explain the difference between that and let's say timeshares, which we're also getting involved with. In timeshare, it's usually a term used in hospitality where you're able to buy in to using 
a certain asset for many years to come, right? For let's say for a week out of a year or two weeks out of a year. So that's basically a right to use an asset. You can also, um, you know, sell that right sometimes to other people, but it's a cumbersome process. You know, you have to trust them. You can't sell a part of it. And it's just, it's just basically a mess. So um, we actually have a way to allow uh, sale of timeshare as NFT. So um, in a way that it probably is not even a security and um, the buyers of this NFT will have the right to go and stay at the property. It's basically like a ticket to own a ticket to ride, right? Or ticket to stay. So uh, that's a little different from what our, our major business is, is where you are investing in the property. So you are benefiting from the property, from the growth in value of the property directly. Okay. And if you sell this security, you're going to actually get capital gains, right, from the property. Right. And these capital gains, just for everybody who is listening to this, because uh, I did have a conversation with um, uh, uh, the CFO of crypto, you do have to account for your capital gains on your taxes. So not that this yes. is financial advice that we're having here, but I did sure. learn that. So um, yeah. any transaction where you realize a gain um, yep. does have to be accounted for. And there are some some real nice tricks, and again, not a financial advice, but um, you know, for individuals investing in opportunity zones, for example, you can defer uh, some of the taxes. And for for individuals investing from their um, in crypto from their IRA, they also can defer some of their taxes. So there are all these really nice kind of really nice ways to. Um, to defer crypto because crypto has gone up a lot. So people who earned a lot of money on crypto can't cash out because they have to pay. You know, it's not worth it for them to cash out necessarily and buy an another asset because they, you know, their taxes are going to be just so high. So a lot of people are just waiting to see if they can if they can buy different things with crypto instead. You know, so to see which which buyers will accept crypto. And even when buying crypto, buying something in crypto, there still is um, a capital gains uh, transaction there. So um, definitely needs <laughs> anybody in the, anybody working in crypto needs a really really good tax advisor. Yes, and I do have that person. I can put that link in the show notes for everybody. I'm often asked, "Does my business need a podcast?" My answer is yes, that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. So tell me a little bit about your company, um, how, how it came to fruition and, and why you created it. So the company was born in 2018 and it was founded by my co-founder, Yuval Wurzberger. And the company essentially uh, began when uh, a, um, 
St. Regis Aspen Ski Resort was a planning tokenization and they reached out to my co-founder to help create the smart contract. You know, at that point, uh, Yuval uh, basically created one of the first companies in the real estate tokenization space. And so um, they reached out to him to do the smart contract and to do the blockchain support. And so that project was very successful. It raised $18 million and is now trading on an exchange called T0. Uh, so I, at the time, also created a company of my own doing something similar. I heard about the project. I saw Yuval's name. It kind of rang a bell that he might be an Israeli as well. So we, I, I tracked him down and met up and we uh, formed a, an alliance. So that, and I joined SolidBlog, basically. So, so, but the reason that both of us are passionate about the real estate and blockchain intersection is because you know, this desire to be investors ourselves, right? Investors in alternative asset classes like real estate, you know, having exposure to projects, being able to uh, provide that to, to investors all around the world. So, and also having that outlet for, you know, you can't, you can't invest obviously in crypto only. It's a very risky product. So a lot of people, you know, are looking to to uh, cash out and put money in a more secure product uh, like real estate. But then on the other hand, real estate is highly illiquid. So it's it's not necessarily fitting to, you know, mo to an individual investor, let's say. Institutions can wait for five to seven years to cash out of a product. Individual investors don't have that luxury most of the time. But even institutions are getting, are jumping on board of this trend of digitizing assets, making them more liquid, because they realize they can make a lot more money there. It's interesting, though, that it's still the game of diversifying your assets, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Always. Um, so I, I think I'm not clear, were you in the real estate industry prior to this? Or did yeah. you sort of jump on the bandwagon because you saw that there was a unique marriage that could be made between uh, blockchain and currencies and real estate? So I was doing real estate on two levels as an individual investor in single family homes. And also I worked, um, I did financial engineering for pension funds at the time. So a lot of times we put together different real estate funds and um, index, index funds basically consisting of real estate or, or we put real estate products uh, to balance out the risk. So that was basically my exposure to real estate, you know, as a, as a retail investor at the time, you know, I didn't have an opportunity to get into securities. Um, so, so that was, that was kind of my dream, right? To to get to get into the space. So I started learning about the space, and like I said, playing with with single family homes and, and so on. Um, but the the dream, the idea was to get into commercial projects. So that's how Solid Block basically Solid Block idea started out. So do you love the dream? Are you happy that you got the experience in single family and moved into the commercial space? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a totally different game. And I, I personally don't enjoy, <laughs> don't enjoy all of the headache associated with the transaction. 
you know, my first home when I bought it, I, I can't even tell you how many months it took me to find mortgage and, and fill out the forms. I mean, now I guess you have all of these things online, but back in the day, it was all basically you actually had to fill it in with a pen and paper. And, and, and that was excruciating for me, you know, and having done that maybe a few times over, it became a little easier. But, uh, you know, I definitely don't enjoy that aspect. And I enjoy finding great projects, you know, speaking to sponsors and entrepreneurs and managers and understanding what they're doing with the project, their level of expertise. And it's just very, very exciting to me. Every single project, you know, has a unique aspect and it's super exciting. I definitely don't enjoy the transactional aspect of it. And I'm so happy that we're done with it. I don't think I'm ever going to buy, well, never say never, right? Um, maybe I will. I probably will buy a home um, uh, in a traditional way again, but I'm much more excited about doing it digitally. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it sounds much easier. Have you um, found yourself involved in some very interesting um, commercial properties in locations that excite you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're focused now on, on properties in the U.S., so, but, but, you know, I love my, my favorite field is ESG, environmental social governance. So anything with that aspect. So we have a fantastic um, project in Florida called detox and detox digital coin. And um, th the coin is backed by detox facilities that have a long-term lease, um, you know, amazing operator and, you know, just, just basically all around great uh, uh, attributes that, and on top of that, of course, a social, a social good and social value, right? So that, that's, that's one of my favorite projects. Uh, we also have a workforce housing project and um, zero impact uh, hospitality. So it's just basically, for me, it's a super, super exciting space where you can uh, invest and get value and then on top of that, you can also um, contribute, right? Contribute to society, contribute to the causes that you uh, want to support. I love the um, the for good portion built into the projects. Um, I'm seeing that there are a lot of people that are trying to build out things differently um, with a good model built into it. Uh, you know, you saw it like in a different way before this, you know, for example, like, um, like Tom's shoes, you buy a pair yeah. and they give a pair. Um, and I love these types of models. I know Warby Parker has something similar, but these are with tangible goods. It's not, you know, blockchain. Um, so if you have any projects that you want me to share, I'll definitely put those in the show notes, but I, yeah. um, I love the marriage of the hospitality and trying to build, uh, it sounds almost like green properties or yeah. things that, that help people. I, I come from the hospitality industry, so you're actually speaking my language again, but. Cool. Yeah. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So this project is coming up, so the details are definitely coming up, but the idea is zero impact, you know, zero electricity, zero water, so, uh, you know, these technologies, I've seen them, I've seen them around, I've seen them implemented, but uh, it's exciting to actually 
have it, you know, as a part of a business, as a part of a business where people don't necessarily have to implement it in their home, although that could be also pretty exciting. But if they if they choose where to travel, you know, I've been actually pretty careful about about traveling lately because I realized a lot of things can be done over Zoom. And when I do travel, I make sure that I have a lot of meetings set up and, and in one in one spot and um, I don't travel for vacation. Actually, I usually combine things things with work always. Um, so, but in this case, you know, when you can actually go somewhere and you know reduce your carbon footprint at the same time and also stay in a really nice accommodation, not necessarily you know uh, uh, something that you would imagine you know that has a very low impact, right? So, so that that makes it very very interesting. Yeah, it's. The impact part, it just really, I love that piece of it. And I love how, and I'm, and I'm not sure that you have this built in, but there's so many properties now that were uh, destroyed in certain areas of the world that are so uh, vulnerable to that because of hurricanes and tornadoes and climate change and, and so forth. So mm -hmm. they're adopting practices um, wow. that are actually also good for the environment. Um, I, I just saw a program and of course I can't, it's, it's the, the Netflix series with, uh, Darren Olin and, uh -huh. um, Zac Efron where yeah. they went to, uh, Puerto Rico and there was uh, somebody in hospitality that rebuilt their space. They did a smaller mm -hmm. footprint so that they had, yeah, down, uh, to earth. Yeah. down to earth. Thank you. Um, and this particular property, of course, the name escapes me of this particular hotel, but yeah. it, if anybody goes to watch that, that particular episode, you'll find it. But this guy rebuilt his space with like five guest rooms, um, but he also built it to almost make it bulletproof in a way because they, they build in all of these um, things that you know, where they capture the rain and they use that for the water and solar and all these things that we've heard about for a long time. But it sounds to me like some of the properties and some of the investments you're doing are, are maybe taking heed of some of these practices too, or am I just yeah, off on a absolutely. different road? <laughs> yeah. So we had I, I, one of the projects I've seen, so I see a lot of projects and I've seen a trend that I really like is modular homes. So it could be single family or multifamily where you just basically stack them. And then a lot of them are made with like reinforced concrete and just kind of anti-earthquake, anti-hurricane and so on. So yeah, definitely. And, and a lot of that is made now with environmentally friendly materials. And, and so there, there's a lot, there's a lot you can do kind of to to support and influence the the the, uh, the trend and I actually love it that it's trendy to be green now and so on so I really but I do get care you know I, I stay careful of like greenwashing of sorts so really to to look looking into the project and understanding where the impact is coming from and um, and then there are a lot of great projects out there well, I like that you pay attention to that and, and not just professionally, personally, like you said, like when you travel now that you really consolidate your efforts and make it both mm -hmm. a, a personal vacation and a work vacation, okay. but it's probably starts as a work vacation first. And then you yeah. feel, figure out how you can mold it into a little bit exactly. of joy at the same time. 
I don't know if I actually said the word vacation. That's not a part of my vocabulary, but yeah. So yeah, if I do try to take maybe like a day off if I uh, travel, like if I'm already there, right? So um, and uh, yeah, I'm vegan, so that also hopefully helps protect the environment. And uh, so I and uh, I feel like you know if you are doing something and that you really have to pay, you know. Be mindful about other things, right? So it's great that you recycle, but on the other hand, uh, you know, like the animal industry uh, has a lot, you know, a for much bigger consequence and impact on the on the pollution. So, you know, so gotta be gotta be also calculating that. No, Bitcoin on the other hand <laughs> is a huge contributor, right, um, to electricity waste, right, energy waste, right. So that also keeps me a little mindful of, let's say, trading Bitcoin, right? You obviously, again, not an investment advice, but, you know, a lot of people will trade Bitcoin, and, you know, buy it high, sell it low and stuff like that. So, you know, I kind of calculated my carbon footprint uh, in an event of, let's say, I do a sale once every few months and a purchase once every few months. So that kind of stays I guess keeps me keeps, keeps me balanced, right? So you know, gotta be mindful about all of these things. So wait a minute, did you say you said buy high and sell low? No. That you said it opposite. The opposite. The opposite. Yeah, you said it opposite. Okay, I thought maybe there was something I I wasn't picking oh, I up on. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean I don't I don't I don't think I said high or low. I'm just saying buy every few months and then sell every few months. Yeah. Oh, obviously. Yeah, we gotta buy a uh, buy low and sell high. Now, exactly, is exactly. I thought I heard it wrong. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's also you know so the not to belabor the conversation, but like I what I've talked about with the culture factor listeners is with the purchase of NFTs. Um, there are what's called gas fees involved right. when they use like Ethereum to yeah. mint a, an NFT project, which is to buy the project. Um, so right. I guess with the um, exchange of um, different currencies, you run into some of the uh, yeah. gas fees related to that too, even in your yes, industry. Yes, absolutely. But you know what? Even a transaction, like a bank transaction, generates gas fees as well. Gas fees generates fees and electricity waste as well. Um, we have to always consider, um, you know, compare apples to apples, right? So if you look at a, at a bank transaction, let's say, again, an example where I'm sending you money, and sometimes, you know, between different countries, you have your bank, my bank, and a few correspondent banks in between. Right. So it's also electricity wasted. I haven't looked it up exactly how much, but it is a considerable amount. Right. So Bitcoin specifically, because of the way it's set up and the network is set up, is a big energy waster. Other cryptocurrencies are not as wasteful as, as Bitcoin. Right. On the other hand, Bitcoin is probably the only truly decentralized currency. Right. So we definitely have to pay for that. Right. In some way. So whether Bitcoin should be used as a transactional tool, because of the energy um, considerations, I'm not sure, right? Bitcoin right now is mainly an asset, right? And we have a lot of other transactional tools. We have, you know, stable coins, which are not as wasteful at all. And actually, I would love to, after this podcast, I'm going to go and look it up and see what is the energy 
waste of a stablecoin like Tether, like USDT, for example, uh, versus a bank transaction. And I, I, I suspect there's not going to be a lot of difference, right? Uh, obviously, when you give somebody a cash, a bill, right? There's no energy transaction there. Oh, there probably is because I'm going to have to fly to you, right? Or even drive to you. And, and so what is what is cheaper, right? Me sending you money uh, over over Venmo or, or a bank or me driving to your house, right? So you always have to consider the alternative, right? It's not like we're wasting Bitcoin, but if we didn't, we still have to make a transaction. How do you do it? Mm-hmm. And NFTs, no, so NFT trading, right? NFTs, if they run on, on uh, you know, on the blockchain that operates what's called a proof of work, uh, where, you know, you need to uh, do these complex computational uh, mechanism. And that's why energy is wasted in general, because the, these computers have to compute. Um, so as a part of the system, that's how it's built. And so NFTs, yeah, if the NFTs are trading, yeah, of course it's creating an environmental issue. But again, when you're trading stocks like Amazon, imagine there is clearinghouse involved, right? There's payment involved. Like in the single transaction, when you want to buy a piece of an Amazon stock, whatever it's worth right now, maybe I don't know, 300 bucks or something. Um, so there's also, right, um, energy involved. So we have to consider the alternative. Sorry, I said three, 300, $3,000 $3, for Amazon. Now, it's interesting, though. You know, I think a lot of people start that argument as, and and rightly so, you know, like some eco warriors are out there and saying, you know, you're spending all of this money. There's all these gas fees. Um, mm. It's very costly to to do what yeah. you're doing to mint an NFT or to buy Bitcoin. Um, but you're not escaping it in other avenues. So it's not as though, um, you know, it, it's 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 not an apples to oranges at the moment. They all have some sort of fee. So it's an, a different variety of apple is really what it is. Yeah, and uh, exactly. what, what I'd love to do is if you do that research, if you decide to uh, go check that out afterwards, when yeah. we post your show, I'd love for you to put in the comments um, what you learned on there and see if we can um, obviously engage with some of the listeners on, you know, LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram, wherever you like to play. I, I will be uh, adding the links in the show notes to all of your uh, places that you like to uh, post as well. So that might be an interesting conversation to continue. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, we also have to, there's also a lot of remedies available right so there are companies that mine bitcoin in an environmental way and use you know uh, alternative energy to power it um in some places you know the bitcoin mining is done by connecting straight to like the gas so the gas pipe for example so you know it's it, it it really can be done in a better way and i think that there there even the, there's a public company uh, in the U.S., uh, whose name escapes me, that's dealing with like green green crypto. So you know the world is getting better, and I'm hoping that you know. And and this technology is just at the very beginning, right? So by the way, when Amazon started the Amazon bookstore, right? Initially, yeah, um, right. I remember yeah, so doing Amazon, that buying books. <gasps> yeah, exactly. It was books, and then somebody said like, "Wow, every time you buy a book, like an X amount of trees are cut in the forest." Right. Well, not only from just creating a book from paper, but like burning right energy and so on. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's going to get better. We're just at the beginning, but we have to push for it. Yeah, I agree. And I think we have to be careful of, and, and the word you used was perfect, greenwashing, just because a company comes out with an alternative and they have the word green in their name doesn't necessarily mean that they are either. So you got to do your research, right? You have to do your due yeah. diligence into the different um, uh, tokens, different currencies, um, right. And, and different products that you're going to use in Web3, right? Yeah. And also when you think about a real estate transaction, and we'll talk about Web3 in a minute, but when you talk about a real estate transaction, how much waste does that generate? Not only power, but like human labor that could be used in a better way. Like you have to talk to a bunch of clerks and you have to like go from place to place. Your time is wasted while you could be creating something amazing and curing cancer maybe, right? So, um, you know, you have to get in a car, you have to drive somewhere, you know, that also wastes energy, right? Mm -hmm. So, and if you could do all of that digitally with NFT or whatever the tool, like how amazing is that, right? And whatever, you know, NFT gas fees are gonna be negligible in, in response to that. And even if you have an artwork, right? And you put it online, instead of, you know, somebody getting into a car or getting on a plane to go and buy the artwork off of you. Imagine like now three people, 3000 people bought a piece of an artwork, like what all of those people are gonna gather at a gallery. How much waste is there? You know, when you think about the gas fees, it's something else. I mean, when you look at the industry as a whole, like there's a lot of hype in money-making there right now. Yes, obviously the resulting damage to the environment is big. Right. So we got to we got to think about that and solve that. Yes. Um, well said. Well said. And you said you wanted to say something about Web3. Oh, yeah. Well, the coolest thing about Web3, like, first of all, is that nobody knows. Yeah, the first rule of Web3 is that nobody understands what Web3 really is. <laughs> so we can no. call it whatever we want now, right? <laughs> yeah, <we don't. laughs> I know, exactly. Um, but in general, the premise of Web3 is the idea is there is a new type of worldwide web based on the blockchain, right? Which incorporates the ideas of DeFi, decentralized finance, the place where, you know, you, you are the owner, you are the maker, you, you are, you know, investing in different things. And on, on the other hand, it's fairly decentralized. And so the, the cup, there are a couple of big enterprises that are working now towards Web3, like Microsoft, Intel. So they're all going in that direction. And at the same play, at the same time, uh, they're also going in the direction of the metaverse, right? Microsoft just bought, uh, made a giant investment in the metaverse of $70 billion. Like, like there's, you know, they're obviously trying to compete with Facebook, although their vision of metaverse is really different uh, one from the other of what metaverse is going to look like. So the, the Web3, which is, is happening, right? There, there are definite advantages of connecting everything around us, which blockchain can do because blockchain, remember, it's this trustless ecosystem, which can let people and things communicate with each other, right? So, and uh, in a decentralized manner. So combine that trend, right? with IoT, Internet of Things, and sensors everywhere all around us, right? They can pick up and like Siri and everything else, they can pick up um, our uh, basically moods, desires, and everything else. Combine that with Web3, which is this decentralized place where people and things communicate and live. Combine that with a metaverse. 
and with crypto. Like the the world is 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 evolving so fast right now um, that I feel that we're truly going to see like the equivalent of flying cars, right? Um, in 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 the space of personal finance, ownership, which we already are seeing, entertainment, investment, right? And um, so, so this is basically a lot of people are saying like, where are these flying cars? You know, they should have been here like 10, 20 years ago, right? But we don't need flying cars. We need blockchain. Well said. I love that. I'm, I'm not going to add anything to that because I think that's so well said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, I think what I would say to um, my community that's listening, you know, make no mistake, there's a lot of big companies getting involved in all of this. Um, so if you thought it was just funny money or monopoly money or, you know, it's not real, it doesn't make any sense, um, there's a lot of companies out there utilizing blockchain and NFTs and and getting into these spaces. So um, be an early adopter is what I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I'm there with you. You know, just uh, get in the game even a little bit, just kind of learning about it. I have a full course on tokenization, actually, that I'll be happy to give you a discount code for anybody who's listening. And, That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, we have a lot of, lot of content to share. So if anybody is interested, uh, we're at solidblog.co. I'm Yael at solidblog.co. Happy to share knowledge and, you know, uh, talk to anybody who's passionate about this. I love that. I'm going to put all of that in the show notes so anybody can reach out to you. They can take your course. Um, and maybe we can... Um, attach a a name to it so that people we can we can see how many people actually you know partake in your course that'd be really fun um so thank you holly 50 something like that yeah so you could you can you can call it whatever you want forward slash whatever (laughs) holly holly shannon culture factor whatever works for you that'd be awesome thank you so much for coming yael this was really really a joy and i and i really love that we met at a conference and we talked about podcasts and then we talked about real estate and then we talked about crypto and blockchain and hospitality. We went everywhere. This was, this was a fun trip. I felt like I was in the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Almost, almost, almost there. Yeah, next, think- next time, you know, we'll incorporate some of uh, the metaverse experiences. That would be really cool because I, I would really, uh, experiences are sort of part of my background, so I would really enjoy that. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me, Holly.